Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. Today, I am having the pleasure of talking with Maria Jose Obando from the Little Paws Outdoor Classroom. Is that correct? Yes, that's Yeah. Oh, welcome. Welcome to this podcast. I'm really excited to hear about it. Tell us a little bit about where you're located and the kind of work you do. I'm excited to dig in. Yeah. Hey, everyone. And thank you so much for this opportunity, for this space. We are located in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada, in the West Coast, beautiful West Coast. We are an outdoor school, a preschool for two to five years old. And we are in the Stanley Park, just close to Metro Vancouver. We have a combination between urban and nature. It's really unique program. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're like straddling both worlds a little bit, right? Yeah. There's yeah. so much nature right by the city. Yeah. It's just the city and uh, the community in here. Yeah, we just don't connect with the nature part, but with the urban part. And then with yes. the community, right? Like where the garbage trucks are, we have relation or we say hi and bye sometimes to the people to clean the washrooms, the people who are working in the, yeah. like just working in the park. So that's amazing. And there is always the same people going running in the morning that come and say hi to us. So it's a really, oh, yeah. it's a really unique place. So I'm very lucky to, to work there. Yeah. You bring up a good point. It's, there is something that's really wonderful when you can build up those relationships with the people around and feel that support and caring and everything. That's a, that's really what is it's all about really in some ways, but yeah. So tell me a little bit about Vancouver and also like why, why, how did you come to Vancouver? I, I know it sounds like you're, I know you have an accent and I'm thinking it's from a Latin country and yeah. Uh, yeah tell, tell us the story about how you got there and it's a long story. I'm going to make it short. As a right. Latin person, I like to talk, but I'm going to try to make it short. Oh, yeah. I am, I am originally from Ecuador, a very beautiful country. I grew up there and I was living there until I was 23. I travel a lot. Like Ecuador is a magical place, mm. a beautiful place nature-wise. So I studied environmental engineering back home. Because of my passion about nature, about like preserving these places, I guess everyone knows like how in like a species in danger are in the Amazon, like all of yes. these mining and petroleum companies. So all of those things worried me a lot and I wanted to make a difference. So I studied environmental engineering and that led me to do environmental education for my thesis. So I loved that. I just loved it. And I didn't know that I loved it. <laughs> Before, so I just did it and I loved it. And then I decided to come to Canada, to Saskatoon, to the Prairies, to study a master's in environmental education, which was amazing. I, I just fell in love with that. But uh, at the same time, I thought, oh, I'm going to work doing research, uh, working with universities. That's, that was my, my plan. But little I knew, <laughs> my husband got a job in Vancouver. So we moved here. And... I was looking for jobs. I even applied for engineering again. And then I just applied for an outdoor education summer camp in an amazing outdoor school called Saplings. And I got a job. I was like, okay, let's try. And I loved it. I just love to work with little kids outside. They were like school age kids. Mm-hmm. And then I got a job after in another outdoor school called Woods and Waves, an amazing outdoor school. And then I kept working with those two schools with little kids, now preschoolers. And I just completely fell in love with it. It was the thing, like, I really, it is the thing that I really feel that I belong to. I worked before as an engineer and I liked it, but it was, it was not my thing. (laughs) And just realizing like how impact, like the big impact that you can do in little kids, I don't know, just got me. And at mm-hmm. the beginning of this, I started with my passion about the environment. And then suddenly I started to see how good the outdoor is for kids. Oh, so it was right. not just the environment. It was like the amazing benefits that have for people and for kids mostly, right? Like in the first five years of their development. So I just got amazed and I did my ECA, my early childhood education assistant, just to learn more about kids and about the development. And it has been an adventure. Every day is different. It's sometimes a learning on the go. 
the environment, like nature and kids are unpredictable. <laughs> so if you combine those things, it can be super fun and sometimes challenging, sure. which is a good challenge since children and we educators like learn to go through that. So yeah, that's how I started Little Paws. I just found my passion and place and I lived just by Stanley Park. I was amazed that nobody has started an outdoor school in the Stanley Park. So I was like, let's do it. Stanley Park is a huge park, beautiful park, very touristic. So if you come to Vancouver, you come here. So I was like, why nobody has done it? Yeah. Uh, so I did it and I started slow and now it's getting more popular. And I just love it. It's the kind of job that I like and the, to see the kids and the kids impacting the families because your job doesn't go just to the kids, right? Like they don't end, it doesn't end on them. Just goes through the families, the siblings, the parents, and just to see that has been like a big blessing. Right. Yeah. And Vancouver seems like it's, I, from what I remember hearing from a lot of people I know who've lived there, it sounds like it's a very international city, yeah. right? It's very, a lot of different cultures, a lot. I know there's, it's a, got a, a lot of different Asian people there mm-hmm. and people from all over the world, it seems. So that must yeah. be nice to have a very multicultural group of students i would imagine yeah absolutely and sometimes they come without knowing english and we have to try to communicate with these little kids using google translate we do whatever we can and then suddenly they start to speak english another amazing thing is to see the families that are newcomers they get into the program and we do sometimes some programs like some special dates with parents with all the family together and then it's nice how they start to build their community. It's right. not just it's not just like a school. It's not just a childcare. It's more than that. And that's what I love because the parents yeah. start like the newcomers or the parents that are here for the first time and are new. They start to build their community. We have a WhatsApp group like where we chat yeah. still. So it's amazing. Like it goes beyond um, like just a childcare because yeah. it's in the outdoors and that's the magic of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went to a Waldorf school when I was very young, mm-hmm. up until eighth wow. grade. The, the And Waldorf schools always have parents and, and children and, and lots of potluck meals and festivals and things. And, it, and there was an amazing community that seemed to build around this school and the, and the people in it because it just just people were interested in each other and the children like playing together. And the school created this nice experience. It was not just for the children. It was for everyone. And I think that in any school, like these alternative nature schools are also another uh, extension of that. And and it just starts to happen naturally, it seems like. So that's really wonderful, though, especially when you're when their children are very young. You might not really know that many people in your area, but then you get to know everyone. and. Yeah, that must be really awesome. Yeah, it's really nice. Actually, I've been to many birthday parties of my little ones. And then I see all the families there and oh, it's like coming to school again. Right. <laughs> it's really right. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Is there a, a number of Latin speaking people in that your area as well? Yeah, yeah. As you mentioned, Vancouver is a very international city. Mm-hmm. There are people that come and go, people that stay. So it's a very, a very... Like that people move here there. The Spanish community, like Latin American people, like Hispanic people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are many here. Like we That's have good. students that speak Spanish in our preschool. And we speak Spanish with the kids too. Like sure. we teach some Spanish words. We may, we combine some songs because all of my educators right now speak Spanish. <laughs> so right. we of course our main language is English, but we teach some Spanish songs and words and kids love it. So yeah, it's a very big community over here and makes you feel home somehow. Yes. Yeah, that, absolutely. I think that's really wonderful because I think the language, if you can be exposed to different languages at the earliest age possible, it will just makes it so much easier for them down the road. So I think that's brilliant what you're doing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, And the fact that it's a very international city, that's one of the things that surprised me a lot because I don't see that in Ecuador, for example. There are parents that are from Germany and from Colombia, and then they speak German and Spanish, and then they come to study English. And three kids, like kids of, that are three years old, 
talking those three languages. Wow. It's just amazing. I haven't been exposed to this before. And to say that it's just kids are amazing. Sometimes we underestimate them, but they are just so smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so smart. Little kids like talking so many languages and very fluently. Yeah, sometimes they make fun of me. They speak English better than me. They are like, do you mean this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Yeah, Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I would say that. It, languages are one of the most uh, amazing things for young brains. And I, my family, I have a Mexican heritage uh, from Los Angeles and California, but I never really got to stay with my family that, and speak exclusively Spanish long enough to really be f- fully fluent. But it's so important. And then you're also doing a another language, which is the language of nature. So you're giving them, they're coming in with German and English and Spanish and any of the other languages. And then you're saying, okay, here's the language of the trees and the river and the animals and birds and everything. So that must be another thing that they get to get fluent in. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. I had a kid who was so passionate, like he was two years old and then he got so passionate about birds, so passionate. He's my neighbor actually. And Suddenly he started to recognize, oh, this bird sings like this. Oh, this is this bird. This is this bird. And sometimes birds that we didn't know. Yeah. That they were called, I don't know, like the robin or something. Yeah. And they and he, in his young age, he started to recognize those things. I was like, wow. Yeah. Oh. It's amazing. They're so smart. It's amazing. Yeah. As you yeah. say, like the language of nature. and Yeah. True. It's really true. And I, I know I'm colorblind. So for me, I, I never really got excited about birds because I couldn't really see the colors. Sometimes people would say, oh, look at that bird with the this color right on its head. And I would just go, it looks like a brown bird to me. <laughs> um, but I've learned over time to notice how they fly and different birds have different ways that they fly. And then the, the bird song <laughs> is different. So I learned about them, but it was not from seeing them as much as the patterns and everything, but I, I wow. really, I've learned to really love and appreciate them. And that you have, uh, you're in like a rainforest, temperate rainforest up there. Yeah. So you must have a lot of like thick, tall trees and and you probably hear the birds, but have to then look for them. That must yeah. be tricky. Yeah. 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 It is, but it's really cool when you find them. Mm-hmm. Like I always teach my kids, like we have to be very quiet for a little bit. And then nature will come, right? Or animals will come. Yeah. And when we see them, it's just so exciting. It's just wow. so cool to see. Like, we love chickadees. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we love the singing of chickadees. Uh, so we try to find them every time. But we know that we have to be quiet and, you know, just have our five minutes silent time. And then you see them. And it's just the best. Even for us adults that we have seen them many times. Just the best every time that they come to you. They seem to like children too. It seems like I've been in the forest and they just seem to come around and they'll like flutter around right above our, I, and we're all just sitting there. They know they can see us and they just don't, they seem to like do that. They like, seem to like children for sure. Yeah. Mostly when they mimic their calls, like kick dee 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 dee. Yeah. They get to come thing. around. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of eagles there, I, I think, probably. Mm-hmm. What? Eagles? Bald eagles, yeah. Bald mm-hmm. eagles. Yeah. And then and salmon. Eagles. Yeah. And we have a community of blue herons, gray blue herons who come. Like we, we get to see all the process since they come to here, they nest, they lay the mm-hmm. eggs, they learn to fly like the babies, and then they migrate again. So we get to right. see all of those things. There is a huge community in Stanley Park of blue herons, and they oh, look wow. like dinosaurs. So that's yes. so cool for the kids. So and they sound big. like dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the croaking sound and everything they make and everything. Yeah. yeah, they I was in a canoe one time. Uh we were in two canoes and we were going down this river and in I think it was in Kansas and we came through an area where the river was really slow and there was some big giant sycamore trees, big trees and there were nests, big piles of sticks up there. And I mm-hmm. looked up and I said, "Oh wow, that's that looks like I was thinking about. It, I was like that. That looks like a blue heron rookery, rookery or a bunch of nests. And 
the people in my boat, I was like, be really quiet. So maybe we can see them as we go through. And the people in the boat behind us started yelling. They yelled really loud. And so we slipped past. And then when the herons saw that they were coming and coming towards the tree, they came and hooped on them. And so they were oh. they were getting covered in these white, big giant white smears that smelled like fish. And they were like, oh, and it didn't come out. They were washing themselves off and they're screaming and yelling. And yeah, oh, that's my I memory. Didn't... That's my memory of being very close to great blue heron. So hopefully the children don't get too close. Uh, yeah, I've been pooped by one blue heron. I think one of the other kids too. And yeah. the smell is very strong. There is like a path that we go through mm-hmm. uh, under the nest that is smells like fish, as you say. Yes. It smells like fish and it's very strong. Yeah, uh, we will get that close. <laughs> yes, it's but, nice you know, to it's have part those, of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. nice to have a memory of something strong like that, like smelling a skunk or smelling the heron or smelling the river. Sometimes the river has a strong smell. Mm-hmm. The you ocean. Know? The ocean has that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just an amazing thing for children to get those strong smells when they're very young to preserve those memories. Yeah, definitely. I will never forget how the blue heron cooked in me too. So yeah, that's a good memory too. I like it's part of nature, right? Like mm-hmm. things happen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I and and I was wondering for your school, you one thing I saw on your website was that you have a program for children who are on the autistic spectrum. And I'm really curious about that because I know many forest schools have students that where parents didn't feel comfortable putting them in a regular school. And then Mm -hmm. many times they'll forest school educators will say, Oh yeah, we have students that the parents will say, yes, can we, can you work with them? And they seem to do a really amazing, have an amazing experience. And so I'm just curious how that, came about for you or and how that's going and anything you feel like sharing about that would be great because it seems like it's really needed and it's something that I'm sure a lot of educators are going to be interested in hearing about. Yeah, of course. Yeah. This is a very new program. We just Mm -hmm. launched it last September. Okay. So as you mentioned, like we have had some kids with in the autism spectrum and I started to read a little bit more. One of my educators actually has a lot of experience in this field. And just to see the benefits that the outdoors has in kids that are in the spectrum is, is just amazing. But in our case, like we were just three or two educators with a group of kids in the outdoors. We didn't, like, like some kids need a lot of attention, need right. a one-to-one, just because you never know, depends on in, in, in which, yeah, depending yes. like of the kid and, and everything. Um, so some kids need more attention than others. So then we decided one of the parents of my kids have ex- works actually in the public schools with the kids within the spectrum. So she talked to me and said, look, we can do this. Uh, I can be a one-to-one teacher with these families and they can be funded by the government. And yeah, we just wow. go to your program and, and, and we have a one-to-one actually expert with the a kid that is in the spectrum and families love it. It can be funded by the government. That is one of the biggest challenges too for us. We are sure. an outdoor school. We are not licensed. So parents have to pay. But if we have an specialist that is doing one-to-one, then it's a different thing. So we decided right. to do it. We have had a, already two kids and it has been great. It's going slow, but it's going great. Yeah. And it's just great to see the benefits that I mentioned before. Uh, this program started with the passion of uh, the environment, with the passion of making a, an impact in, in nature. But then it combined with all the amazing benefits that I and other educators saw in the kids, including the kids with, with autism. So, yeah. yeah, I think we are trying to work on it, read more about it. We need to be prepared for this. We have to have the education and the expertise. So we are working on that. and. Very excited to see where it leads us. It oh, it's really interesting. I've worked with children for a long time too, and mm-hmm. I know that when you have someone who has special needs, and like in some ways, all kids have special needs. So, but when there's people, <laughs> <All of> that, <laughs> yeah, we all do. I do. I'd like to have a one-on-one aid myself. But it's it's interesting how 
sometimes you can have like a group of children and then have one or two students who are a little bit different in different ways on the spectrum or whatever their story might be. And the rest of the group can sometimes really pull together and support each other. And then other groups, there are students where they are, it, it, they feel like, oh, we're left out. It's all, they feel jealous of the other student for getting more attention sometimes. And it's really interesting that it's just, it's not as straightforward as, oh, I have an aide and we just do everything the same. You really have, it's a tremendous amount of work to navigate that, that world. Every time you shuffle the cards with new children. And, and so I, I, I really appreciate that you're taking this leap and and doing this because I know for those children, it probably means the world to them yeah. and they wouldn't and get guess, that. Yeah. And for the families as well, um, mm-hmm. I have seen many parents very thankful about it. And every kid is different. Like mm-hmm. not just the kids that are in the spectrum, but every kid is different. Every kid needs different thing. Like our, our ratio is very small because of this, because we want to have a really personal relationship with this, with every kid. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just a matter of, of working together and see what works the best for kids mostly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is amazing. It is really, really great. Sometimes I wanna, I tell the parents, sometimes I wish I can have a camera in my eye. Mm. So you can see and hear everything that I see outside there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just great. Um, it's just great to be outside with the kids. Do you, I know it, I know you get a lot of, sometimes you get a lot of rain. I don't know if you always mm-hmm. do, but so I'm curious as to, do you just have everyone wear rain gear and yeah. do you have to, do you have trouble sometimes because it's either raining too hard or they're just don't want to go out in it? Or do they seem to, they must just be fine with it because it's just how it is everywhere. Yeah. Actually, when I was, when I started to work as an outdoor educator, I saw the rain as a challenge. I saw the rain as a, oh no, <laughs> it's raining. But now I have learned to appreciate the rain. Uh, we are in a rainforest. We need the rain. And that's one of the things that we teach the kids. Like we need the rain. The forest needs the rain. The animals need the rain. Like the rain is not something bad. It's actually something great. So yeah, like it can be challenging in different ways, but that helps us to work together. And at the end, they feel so proud of themselves. And you don't have an idea how great the kids are outside. Like that's one of the things that I always tell the parents. Like some parents are worried about the rain or the snow or the cold. I'm like, just try it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably at the beginning, it's a little bit challenging, but it's okay to teach your kids to feel uncomfortable. It's mm. okay. And as long as they are safe, they are not like freezing cold, we take care of them. So it's okay. And they do it. And besides that, because we're in the Stanley Park, we have, we, we use the washrooms. So the public washrooms have been a place that we can go and rest a little bit. Like when we wash our hands, Little Post Outdoor Classroom has two tarps. So we have a, two tarps that we but every day, rain or shine, uh, even if it's raining or not raining, uh, those are our classrooms. We put the two tarps every single day, and those are the classrooms. Uh, yeah, we, we put in different ways, but those are our classrooms, the place that we go, put our backpacks, sit and eat or tell stories. So mm-hmm. that helps us a lot when, it's, when the rain is very heavy. But most of the time, I will say, kids just go inside to eat, and they, they don't stay inside. They go outside. Even if it's raining yeah. like crazy. They love paddles. They love paddles. Yeah. They love to play under the rain. Sometimes they say, oh, we're taking a shower outside. Like they love it. It's just if you have a proper gear, if they have like proper boots, they are completely fine outside. Yeah. And I won't, I will not say, it, I won't say that it's okay, that every day is fine, that every rainy day is easy. True. No, it's not. It's some days are harder. Some days are easy, but we go through that together mm-hmm. yeah. as a team. And it's crazy because for us, the educators, like personally, sometimes I see the weather. I'm like, no, it's raining. I don't want to go outside. And then I go outside. I see the kids enjoying. I'm like, okay, I am enjoying it too. And yeah. then it goes by four hours. We are four hours outside. The four hours goes by super fast. And we rock on it. <laughs> we learn to do mm-hmm like some of the problem uh, solving skills, teamwork, encouraging every kid. So 
it's that it's that thing. And some yeah, kids remember the, the 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 hard days. I remember one day, it was crazy. We were in in Kitsilanovich, that is a beach just in front of uh, Stanley Park, and it was windy, like super windy, super mm. windy. And we were by the beach. It was windy. It was raining. It was a bad weather. <laughs> it was miserable. Yeah. And it was so bad. And then suddenly, at the end of the day. We were all soaking wet, cold, but the kids were like, we made it. Like the kids were like, because we had to hide under a tunnel because mm-hmm. the wind was crazy. And then we tell told stories under the tunnel. We ate, we sang some songs and they loved it. And at the end, they went to tell the parents, oh, it was crazily windy, but we went to this tunnel and tell those adventures that were challenging for them, yeah. that were hard for them, but they are so proud that they made it. Mm. And it's crazy, like it's amazing. Like those yeah. days are the ones that you always remember. That's true. That always is true, right? You remember the mm-hmm. times you were uncomfortable and yeah. not safe, or you they were safe, but they you feel like, oh no, there's water getting in my boots and everything is starting to happen. And yeah, that's it's a powerful thing to then mm-hmm. feel that way when you get out on the other side. And four hours isn't too bad. But mm-hmm. it is a long time for children, like a child at that age, it feels like forever. Like they, they'll forget that they have a home or that there's ever going to oh, be. Yeah. They're just there, right there in the moment all the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And for us too, like we are in the moment too. You're there too. Like because yeah, we, have, we to be. have to think. Yeah, we have to think. We have to be like super aware of everything that's happening. And that's something that has helped me personally a lot. Yeah. I appreciate those moments in nature. Yeah. And at the end, we teach the kids uh, that we need the rain, that rain mm-hmm. is very well appreciated, that animals need the rain, that the nature needs the rain, that we need the rain. So it's okay to, it's good that it rains. We just have to rock on it. Well, and it's different too in different places. Like for me, like I grew up in California mm-hmm. when I was young and California is very dry. So mm-hmm. for the most part, and I think Ecuador must be fairly dry in the mountains, right? Are you, were you in the tropical part of Ecuador when you grew up? No, I am from the mountains. So Ecuador has many different climates. We have yes. the coast, the islands, the mountains, and the rainforest. So I am from the mountains, mm-hmm. uh, just by the Ecuadorian line. So yes. we don't have a huge variation of the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's rainy and sunny. It's, it's a very nice thing. Yeah, it's, it sounds really beautiful there. I've always loved that area. Mm-hmm. But I, I know for me, if it's raining and, it, and the soil is sandy, if I'm at the beach, I don't mm-hmm. mind the rain. If mm-hmm. it's rainy and it's really muddy, oh, I don't like that. I, I, for some reason, <laughs> mud is like my arch enemy. Um, okay. But in the forest, if there's like ferns and there's lots of leaves and things on the ground and the, it's raining, it, it feels, it just feels like it's cleaner. It's you're not getting, you're not sitting in the mud or whatever as much. And so... I would imagine that all those things play in at different ways. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. In different, yeah, as you say, in different different places like the mud, the, the wet sand, the paddles, the wet cement, mm-hmm. everything has its different thing. Personally, I am the opposite on you. I don't like the water with the sand, the sand combined with the rain. Yeah. I like the mud. Good. <laughs> yeah, I well, am completely opposite, but some kids love to play with the sand mm-hmm. when it's raining. Yeah, yeah, and in the water. So that's right. That's right. So tell me a little bit about do you have like summer camps or other programs in the in the rest of the year? Yeah, actually our program goes from September to June, like our school year program, I'd call it. And that's divided by fall program, winter program, and spring program. We have uh, different topics to read, to learn. We have different field trips that we go in each uh, little program. For example, right now we're in winter, so we're learning about migration, hibernation. We're going to learn about sea animals and we'll go to the aquarium, for example. Then mm-hmm. in, in in spring, we learn about the spring, like the animals are coming back. and So we yeah. have different little topics. And then it goes from September to June. And then we have summer camp in July. And depends on the demand goes until August. And then we start again September to June, summer camp in July. And summer camp is not much about, we don't have curriculum that we call it like a curriculum. We just 
go and play outside. That's our summer camp because there are so many kids that come from either indoor child cares or have never been exposed outdoors. So we just have fun with them, just make them love the outdoors. Oh. Yeah, which my kids from September to June, they are already super used to and they love mm-hmm. it. So in summer camp, it's a little different. So we just have fun. Yeah, no, that's always the best too. Yeah. Yeah. In the summertime too, I know, I I remember I visited in uh, Seattle for uh, a few friends and they would always say to all their friends, oh yeah, it always rains all the time. It's terrible. Don't come here. And then when I came out, it was like beautiful weather and it was like down by the river. We were fishing for salmon and we had such a good time. And I said, I thought you said it rains all the time. And he goes, I just tell that to tell, keep people away. But he, it's funny because it's just, there are days where it's hot and dry probably too. And it's nice weather, I would imagine. Although you're a little bit North and and I know right now in January, it's pretty dark. It gets dark there. Yeah. Yeah. We do around 430 right now. It's getting dark already. Mm -hmm. But the weather is not bad. Like summer is not that hot, which is beautiful. It goes Mm -hmm. up to 25, 30 which is amazing and winter yeah. this winter was special because we had minus seven or even minus 12 one day that usually goes until minus three minus two which is a perfect weather i really like the weather of one people i was living in saskatoon so i appreciate saskatoon yeah. was a minus 30 winter minus 30 degrees and for six months almost so i appreciate the weather of vancouver a lot it's very beautiful and perfect for the kids to go outside yeah that's true that's true. Yeah. Probably would be tricky to be in a forest program in Saskatoon. Yeah. It's or, possible, though. I know. Yeah, I know absolutely. It, but yeah, but I prefer the Vancouver weather. Yes. <laughs> and that's another thing that I appreciate. For example, as I mentioned before, Ecuador has a beautiful weather. Like Quito, for example, where I am from, um, Quito is the capital. It's a big city. It has a beautiful, to me, it's a perfect weather. Uh, we don't have seasons. We have a really nice weather uh, during the year, but we cannot have forest schools or we don't have outdoor schools just because of the security thing or because we don't have uh, access to green spaces in the city. You know, there's so many things that are not safe for the kids and the educators to be outside. And then you mm-hmm. have Vancouver, which is a very, very like green city that combines nature and, and the city. The weather is nice. And it's a pretty safe place. And then, yeah, you can do this. Like, it's a completely, I appreciate it, city. I appreciate the yes. weather and, and, the, and the opportunity that the kids can be outside. It's back home. We have the same weather, like not same weather, but a very beautiful weather. But mm-hmm. you cannot do it. And kids are missing that. Yeah, it's interesting. It feels like Canada, at least from where I am in New York State, in, in this United States, Canada seems like a country that really is a little bit progressive when it comes to green philosophy or environmental awareness in some ways, like that there's a lot of people that want that and are willing to back that up. Not that it's perfect, but they're very aware of that and, and excited about that. And the community is growing, the community, like the outdoor community is growing. Uh, here in Vancouver, at least, there's a huge outdoor community and parents that are realizing like for their kids it's important to be outside and not just outside like the free playing outside which is the key in our program for example um, mm-hmm. yeah there are the community is growing the awareness is there and to be able to connect these little kids with nature mm-hmm. it's just amazing because i hope that future generations and, and these kids when they grow up they are not they don't feel separated from nature but they are like with nature and they mm-hmm. help to take decisions that are good for nature, which would be different if they grow up without playing in there, right. without having a relationship in there. Um, yeah. And you're really giving them like uh, that relationship with nature that can help them with anxiety, or I think they call it nervous system regulation, mm-hmm. where they are able to regulate their emotional state or and just to be able to feel safe and feel less stress and being able to have access to that type of nature. I know there's a lot of people in, in the United States, there's a lot of people who have never really experienced that 
because they have been inside a lot. And so the amount of people who are really struggling as adults or young adults uh, seems very high and school-age children as well. So this is a really big thing that you're doing. Just Angela Hanscom, Hanscom, who is talking about the outdoor uh, occupational therapy, learning Mm -hmm. about fine motor skills, gross motor skills, balance, all of that. You're just doing so many layers of things for those children. And it's just an amazing thing. Yeah, actually, nature is it's, it's amazing. I love my job. And for me, and to me, like doing this, a big blessing. Like it's easy. Mm-hmm. In a way, even the difficult days, I wouldn't change what I do. But at the end, what I see is that nature does everything. You are there. You are creating a program. You are making sure kids are safe. You, you give love and security to these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you try to plan some activities. But at the end... Just being outside in nature is already a big thing. It's it's what impacts the kids. Yes. You can create the best program, but I don't know if the kids don't enjoy it. They don't learn. They don't enjoy it, which outside, they are just so free. They love it. The colors, everything, and the nature, that the thing that is everything unpredictable, the amount of stimulation is the right amount of stimulation for that young age. So yeah, the end... Some parents are amazed, like, oh, how do you do this, like, outside? And the kids are like, surely nature does most of the the thing. Like, it's the big part. Like, it's one of the biggest parts. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I know a lot of forest educators will start to work with parents and say, hey, we're going to have something on Saturday. Come on out. So you can get comfortable doing it yourself so that you don't have to have them wait till Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard because you can't do everything. I, you don't seem like you're, you're, you still seem like you're like lots of energy and you love it and you're excited. And I know that it's also just a tremendous amount of work to do all the things you're doing to make it happen because it wouldn't be there if you weren't, if you weren't willing to do all the little steps mm-hmm. and then continue to do those steps to keep that going. So that's really wonderful. Yes, I love that idea about the family. Yeah. It's a, it's a great idea. Yeah. Because bringing parents outside, is, it can facilitate the kids and the families to have this time outdoors, not just mm-hmm. at the school, as you mentioned. I, I love that idea. Maybe, I don't know, I'll do it. <laughs> um, it's a great I just, idea. I just interviewed this woman, Arita Ferentz from uh, Australia, and she's in Queensland. And um, she lives in an area where they have, I think, 119 different languages spoken. It's an incredible, diverse community. And she's gotten funding from the government to bring people together in parks and places like that and bringing families, inviting them and having food and having just a very slight amount of theme for things and then going on a walk or a hike with the children. And so they offer a little bit of like activities, but a lot of it is just this social feeling of seeing the uncles and the aunts and the all the different cultures coming. And she said that it's been a really wonderful experience. She's been doing a lot more of that lately because she sees that it's it has a completely different changing effect on the whole community or neighborhood in some ways where you know, the, I guess in Australia, they're saying that there's a lot of people that are depressed and they live at home and they feel lonely and they're cut off from everyone. And when she sponsors and does those things, it it like changes the community in three months or six months and just adds a whole other thing. And yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm excited because every time I hear of somebody that and I interview someone, it's so wonderful because I feel like we're going to be sharing a lot of different ideas and I've been encouraging her to create a training program on how to do it. Just something simple that can share what she does, because it might be a model that other people can do, especially in your area where there's a lot yeah. of different cultures. So Absolutely. Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah. And I think, and here is the same idea, mm-hmm. loneliness, because it's a very international city. There are many people that are alone out there yeah. that are trying to find a community. So I think mm-hmm. it's perfect. And it's the best, like, to go outside and find your community. 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You're outside. Mm -hmm. You maybe bring some, they said people bring food that they were, Mm -hmm. that then if they have an event, she said there were children there that said, oh, where's, where's auntie so-and-so? She's not here. Is she okay? And Mm -hmm. sometimes you have a grandmother who, or who will bring food that they cooked little cupcakes or things like that to like, they're just all trying to contribute something and you can tell they're, they're caring about each other. And so she, she says that it's been a really wonderful experience. She says that not everybody wants to do it. Some people come and they only are there for a little while and they leave, but yeah, it's a more complicated thing, but at the same time, it's something that she found she's been trying to figure it out and get, and I think in Australia they have funding for like mental health, work and community development work and so they she can she gets grants to do that but yeah yeah it's anyway it's just something interesting that, that I thought of just because as I was we were talking and because you're international she's an international mm-hmm. or cultural <laughs> multicultural it yeah. feels like a good match but oh, it's uh, amazing sounds yeah very, um, sounds like a great idea and as I told you sometimes you don't have to do much nature does the thing that's right. We're just there outside, sharing with friends, mm-hmm. sharing with people, sharing food with people. Yeah. And yeah, very smoothly. It, it's, it's so wonderful because the people that do come outside, many times those people are just like very fine people. Like they're kind and they're helpful. And that really helps other people to feel safe and to feel welcomed and the fact that you are also internet, like they, they, it's not like they say, oh, everyone here is from Canada and I'm new and I don't mm-hmm. know. There's a, just this wonderful mix. So it's a really wonderful approach, I think, that can really be inviting. And I think it's also beneficial to the children too, to have extended family. A lot of times families have only one child. I know as in Latin America, usually if you're home, you have aunts, uncles, everybody, they're all in your business. They all know what's going on. And then it must feel hard if you come to say Sask- Saskatoon and <laughs> you're like, it's just me and we're trying to figure it out and, yeah. and it can feel really different. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it can feel different. And that's what I mentioned before, right? Like these little communities or these little families that are new and then they mm-hmm. come to the school and then they find families whose kids are friends of their kids and then they start to grow up, grow a friendship with them. and. Mm-hmm. Just, it's, it's very nice, very nice to see that. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. And it comes, it, it just happens naturally. I just took outside and then it happened. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're yeah. making it happen. You're being that little push to move that in that direction. And yeah, yeah it's really wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's amazing. And as I mentioned before, like for these kids that don't speak the language, like playing doesn't need a language like replaying doesn't need like a specific language kids are just they understand each other yeah. somehow of course for us it's a bit difficult but we use google translate and we try to understand but for the kids like there is not a language in playing outside mm-hmm. but in general in playing uh in pre-playing and then suddenly you start to listen to them and then they start to catch up some words and then suddenly they speak english and it's yeah. amazing like i have seen that not just one time but I have wow. seen that many times and it's just crazy. And, and sometimes to sit there and just look at a kid that doesn't speak English with another kid playing with another kid that speaks English, but doesn't understand each other and they don't understand each other. And then they play and then they become super good friends. It's just funny and amazing. At yeah. Some time. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I've always admired that about like those younger children, because it's always seems like if you have children that are uh, of a certain age, and they're together in a room or out in a yard, they will just go to go and say, all right, let's play. And mm-hmm. it's just assumed that they will do things and learn about each other and interact. And then when they get about fifth grade or sixth grade, all of a sudden they get, oh, I'm a little bit too cool. I don't want to look stupid. I don't know if I know you. I don't know if you're going to be mm-hmm. cool. Like, And so they can be a little bit more reluctant. So you're not working with that age group. No. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, no, that the age that I work is my favorite. It's amazing to see those things. And then you wonder, like, when did we lose those things? Like, when yeah. did we lose those skills of making friends and just interact with each other? Like, that's not the language where you come from with such confidence. Like, mm-hmm. when do we lose those things? I always, 
I always reflect on, on my job and I say like I learn more from the kids I think that what they learn from me right uh, yeah because just like when do we lose those things the same as the confidence like in the outdoors like doing risky playing kids get a lot of confidence like they gain a lot of confidence like like I couldn't climb these rocks but now I can do it and then you see two three years old climbing rocks trees and if they fall down sometimes they really either stop or ask for help or keep doing it yeah and then they feel so confident I'm like when do we lose those things like is it because we, we don't go to nature anymore? What's yeah. happening? Because suddenly they are so confident and you are like, oh, you are amazing. You're a great climber. And they were like, yeah, of course I am. That's and right. Like, oh, when do we lose those things? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing to see them. And in my case, to see them outdoors, it has been just like a beautiful journey where I have learned a lot. I always like working with very young children when... Anywhere we would go, if we would go like to a walk to the creek or we walk to a ber berry bushes or someplace that I would always have eight children all around me, some of them grabbing onto my shirt, three of them grabbing two people, one child or on each hand, holding my hand. Oh, let's go to the creek. And they all want to go with you. It's just it, it feels like I, sometimes I feel a little bit like uh, claustrophobic. I'm like, okay, you guys got to get away from me for five minutes. But they just love being together and yeah. walking with each other and finding fun sticks. And it's just such a, it, it, there's a part of it that feeds me. And then, and then I do get a little freaked out, but yeah, but it's so nice. It's, I feel bad even saying that because it's so wonderful for them to, that they feel safe enough to do that and i see them with other staff members doing the same thing just, oh, yeah. wow. it's amazing yeah, yeah. like in, with, in my case with my kids really nice to see we have a beach mm -hmm. but a little bit like out of the topic we have every we play in different places in stanley park and the kids name their places so for example one beach is called spider-man beach another forest is called salami forest the other one is paddle forest so they name their classes so we were in a Spider-Man beach and Spider-Man beach is, has lots of rocks. And there are these kids that are very skilled doing climbing up and down, like very confident. And then there are these little ones that, or not just little ones, like other kids that don't feel that confident. And mm -hmm. then they start climbing. And then the kids that are very good at climbing, they are like, you can do it. You can do it. Oh, like this yeah. thing work that you were mentioned, right? And then sometimes they start to tell them like, oh, maybe you should put your feet there, your foot there or grabbing hands or just saying you can do it and when they do it they're like yes you did that great and that's what you were mentioning this this being together thing um that it's amazing like just to listen to them like singing you can do it everyone can do it it's just wow <laughs> like it's amazing it's not a like for them it's like a huge challenge because these rocks are like for us, it's not. It doesn't look that high, but for them, and I know it's a big challenge to to it's know to put the foot. The sure. mountain, like where should I grab? And then when the other kids encourage them, they do it, and then they feel so proud of them. But this this being together, hold the shirt of each other as you you start, yeah. hold the hand of each other, and with encouraging words or hands or just being there. Yeah, and, yeah, they're kind to each other, which is wonderful. And it's, I find that there's such a value in doing something that's hard and knowing that other people know that how hard it is and then mm -hmm. can celebrate with you. So that's why I think as an educator, I know how hard it is to put together this program. Mm -hmm. As great as it all is, there are things that are like hard to do or difficult or whatever. And, or just maybe you don't feel like doing it someday. And it's that's the thing is that like other forest educators could come in together and cheer each other on. And so I think that's why I'm doing this podcast is to help everyone to feel seen a little bit and encouraged. We could all it would all be it would be nice if you were like getting ready to send out an email to the parents and somebody went, you can do it. Send the email. <laughs> you put a picture in. Yay. You're doing great. Yeah, <laughs> that would be nice too. everyone came by. <laughs> brought everybody came over and brought you some fruit or something and been like here you go let's celebrate but yeah no it's a it's a that's what we need right in this world to have a little bit of joy and kindness oh. and everything and else sharing your passion with others i think it's amazing as outdoor educators as i was telling you before like sometimes it feels that we're alone that there are not many outdoor 
forest forest educators or outdoor educators out there and then you have this space where you can listen to other people you can learn from other outdoor educators you can share their struggles as well because being outside is challenging very challenging and, and yeah learn and how to manage certain situations it's just amazing i love it i love it mm-hmm. that's really good and i guess here in vancouver the outdoor education community educators community is growing so it is so important to have spaces like this where we can share mm-hmm. our stories or challenges or, or or stories in general yeah or methodologies too because there are so many methodologies out there yeah um, so it's really important to have these spaces I, I think so. I think so. And I, I think the impact of this is going to be big. I'm really excited to hear how your autistic, your program for children that have, that are on the spectrum. I'm really interested to hear how that is in like six months or a year, because I bet Absolutely. you'll learn a lot. And yeah. and if anybody as is listening to this and maybe has ideas that they might share with you or want to ask you questions, what is the best way for them to connect with you I, I believe you're on instagram or in you have a website as well yes we have a website littlepostoutdoors.co um, mm-hmm. i can share with you so you can find yep. a link we yep. have an instagram and a facebook page and we have an email that you can always ask your questions and yeah just, just write me and i'll be there <laughs> I, okay. i'm always happy to to listen to other people to other parents so i can share with you the, the email too okay yeah and I'm very open to all right. I'll put that in the show notes for this episode so that you, everyone will be able to find all those things, those links. And and that'll be awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. This is great. I can just feel the, the passion and the joy like radiating off of you. I don't know if that comes through for everyone else, but I, (laughs) I can feel it. Like, it's like, you're like the sun. You're really, you're doing something really special and good here. So thank you so much. Thank you too. Thank you so much for your words and for this space. It has been amazing. And I hope, yeah, maybe... In the future, we can connect again and I can tell you more about the Mother yeah. program. And yeah, it would be nice to have a, a little community of outdoor educators in North America. That's right. That's yeah. right. Thank you. You too. Have a great winter. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator, nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.